There it starts. People still talking about the uh, the Will Smith slap. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you have strong feelings about that. I know. I think we differ on our opinions with this one. Yeah, a lot of people are finding their opinions differ. So how do you handle it when your, your opinions are different? I slap you in the face. <laughs> that's what, that's no. apparently what some people do. Yeah, I mean, my, my take on this and so many things is we're tempted to take sides. But what if both sides are wrong? What if it's, what if neither? But people want to know whose side is more wrong. There's a winner and a loser in every situation. What? Can't would there be a tie of no. badness or there losers? Cannot. There, there's <laughs> only there's only a winner and a loser. You you can't go to the showcase showdown of life, Jonathan. Yeah, like the Price is Right. Yeah. Yeah, and spin the wheel of peril and and have a tie and have a tie. Somebody's gonna win the RV and the trip. <laughs> life isn't a game show. Morality isn't a isn't a fabricated entertainment. Tell the viewers that. Then tell all the world? I'm trying to, but they I know. don't. So you think they were equally bad? I it think, was a tie? I think it was a tie. I'm going to call it a tie. Chris Rock's face hurt slightly, and then he went, Whoa! That was entertainment! Or something <laughs> immediately afterwards. Like, ha-cha-cha-cha. So he seemed fine. He was not, from all appearances, truly troubled by the event. Well, I read an article, sort of. What I read in it was that Will Smith's actions were a trauma response um, that he has talked a lot about when he was a child, his dad smacking his mom around Mm -hmm. and um, feeling helpless, out of control, not able to defend her, and how that has lended him to a life of really having um, volatile emotions, having troubles with emotional regulation and things like that. Or he's just a jerk who slaps people in the face. He's not, I mean, I love analyzing stuff and trying to get to the bottom of it, but unless you actually know Will Smith, getting to the real truth, it's going to be tough. It's going to be impossible. It's going to be pretty impossible, yeah. I know. Yeah. Well, a lot of people, Jonathan and I know, because I've been reading a lot yeah. on social media about uh, this. Oh, yes, yes. So I know I'm an expert now. Uh-huh. He was good with the joke. He was good with the joke, but then he wasn't good with the joke. And it's really Jada's the worst person, is what people are saying. This is... I didn't think we were going to talk about it for this long. I've, I've wanted to make some diagrams about this but <laughs> the, i haven't had the, the time the, the the venn diagram no no the the cartman drama triangle that's the one yeah. so when you're trying to it's figure like, out it's like you've told me about this triangle in the past. i've talked about it a whole lot look it up listeners if you're listening still somehow to this the cartman drama triangle is trying to figure out how we see the world when we are in fight or flight when we're in the midst of some drama when we're lacking empathy sometimes, too. There's a lot of different times when you could be keyed into seeing things in the copper and drama triangle. And so I was trying to figure out who the victim, the victimizer, and the protector is. And some people have somehow found a way to think that Jada is the victimizer. victimizer. Because she made Will Smith feel bad for her. 
which forced him to hit Chris Rock in the face. Well, there's a lot of history there. We don't dear know Jonathan. that. We don't. Yes, we do. <laughs> yes, we do. We, their we, infidelity shit. Their we have read things. They, they have a gross relationship. <laughs> we don't know these people. Yes, we've never, we've never met the Smiths: Jada Pinkett Smith and William Smith. Willow. Willow Smith. It's their daughter. <laughs> it's true. We we know that. They both think very highly of themselves in some ways because they've decided to pursue careers that are all about saying, look at me, pay me a million dollars. It's beyond just their career choice. They have this aura of we're pretty good and others aren't. You know know, who else has that aura? You? Chris Rock. (laughs) Chris Rock. Hey, it's me. I'm going to just say some stuff in a voice. Yeah, it's, it's going to be true, is it not? <laughs> now you're laughing. Yeah. It's all... And then Amy Schumer comes in. Not all... Another one. They're, not, not, they're all equally uh, bad, in my opinion. They all think whatever they do is great. Chris Rock thought it was great to make fun of someone with alopecia. Will Smith thought it was great to smack someone who made fun of someone who has alopecia. Amy Schumer thought it was great to say... All cartoons suck, right, guys? She did? She said, cartoons are things that kids love and adults tolerate. And everyone was just like, she... And then She's she, so right. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. She made, then she made fun of uh, Dunst. And Dunst was just sitting oh, there. Oh, I know. She pulled her out just, of it. Just sitting. So my long-winded point is they're all equally... What Amy Schumer did <laughs> was so serious. she she took Kirsten Dunst by the arm and led her away like like oh sweetie you're nothing compared to the male star here but it was like a pun because actually Kirsten's way more famous than her husband I guess so but he's in this new movie Windfall so who do was it knows? nice to anyone it was, it was mean they're all just mean mean people they think whatever they do no matter how hurtful it is to somebody else is fine that's this is why my brand of comedy is so much better well, tell me more about it I just make fun of myself that's true you're self-depreciating yeah like, like Conan O'Brien ah. and Paul Rudd oh <laughs> oh. oh, I'm hiding in my shirt. He's, From Rudd? He's so dreamy. He's a dream. I mean, yeah. he's like, he's like, is he your brother? Is he your lover? Uh, is he your brother? Yeah. Is he your lover? <laughs> he's the leather brother. <laughs> lather up that love, lover. Lover brother. Should we start the show? This yeah, is ridiculous. So. That's fine. everybody to another episode of talking to women about video games i am your host tanya today i have with me my co-host <laughs> it's contagious <laughs> i don't know 
Yeah, you've got the me drug in you. You've got the bug, the drug I was, bug. I was like... Because you called me a cow house. I, I couldn't speak. It's fine. It happens to me all the time. Co-host Jonathan, that's me. We're so excited to welcome you to, to another show. And the theme, I think, this time is going to be surprises? Yeah. I'm not even sure. It is April 1st at the time of this recording. We have two great guest segments I just called up. you a cow house I know Let's see I know I know you doubt okay. so it happens when you I can't do it you're doing great okay. we, we both work high stress jobs full-time jobs in a, another field and then we do side project fun I was on a, another show called wiki listens fun yeah I think that actually just got posted now I'm probably gonna see where that is and i i did a, a game i made a game kind of whoa i know when? i can reveal that How? now i know it's been been busy so that's a surprise this time on the show we talked to lilith who made bloodborne psx and as she revealed to me two other games she has in the works what i know and we talked to claire who talked to me all about pokemon cards mm. i was shocked i've been hearing about pokemon cards for most of my life and I still had new things to be surprised about. But in terms of surprises in the video game world, there were some. Activision Blizzard, they ended their lawsuit in a pretty anticlimactic way. Is it really a surprise, though? People really thought that after they were purchased by, well, I'm trying to remember which one bought them. Microsoft, if I remember correctly. Sony bought somebody else. I was going to say. Yeah, everyone's buying everybody, but it was Microsoft that bought Activision Blizzard. And people thought, maybe they're going to straighten them out. Maybe they're going to get rid of Bobby Kotick. Maybe maybe there's hope in this world. Now they just waited a hot minute and forgot about it? Just like it was, everything else? Yeah, like something's... I can't remember the exact number. It was in the millions, though. Not like billions paid out to the victims. I was just going to say that this is reminiscent of a conversation we had earlier today about why people are afraid to live authentically oh, yeah. because they're so concerned about what somebody might think of them. But in reality, you could be as shitty as Activision, but you just <laughs> wait a beat. And yeah. Well, that's the thing. That's the thing. They know that millions in the world think they're the worst, but they just decide that those people's opinions don't matter. That's a, the truth about a lot of narcissists is they really, really care what other people think of them until they don't care at all. Until they just label you, you're a piece of trash, and then they just and then they move on. The curb. And then they'll do any terrible thing to those people who they've discarded with no guilt or shame because all they care about is how it reflects on them. So once you decide that the everyone who doesn't like you is a bad person then you really become an awful, even more awful person to those people a lot of the time. Yeah, I mean, it's a cautionary tale. Mm. I will tell you that because I was so concerned, you know, this is the flip side of it. Yeah. Because I was so concerned about what people's perceptions of me might be, so the opposite side of the coin, oh, sure. it held me back from living authentically, which was admitting that I wasn't in a great marriage and then just getting a divorce. But when I finally came out with it... yeah. People were fine. They yeah. were like fine. And I was yeah. like, why did I wait so long? Why yeah. was I so worried? You're an anti-narcissist, Tanya. You're really... Well, all I'm saying is, this shit happens in the video game industry. It happens in jobs. Mm -hmm. It happens in life. Mm -hmm. There will be a scandal or something. And then people these days, things move so fast. They're always on to the next thing. Oh, sure. So my cautionary tale is, 
fucking live authentically. Yeah. Anyways, this doesn't have to do with Sure it does. Sure it does. You are hoping that people take away from the Activision Blizzard thing. Don't just be an asshole. But if you live authentically, people are probably going to forget about all your mistakes anyway. Well, you shouldn't just say I'll make a mistake and <laughs> But but it's but you shouldn't have to apologize for being you. Yeah, that's right. But right. Activision Blizzard should apologize for, for being, being sh- just shitty. Yeah. Maybe maybe my logic is flawed here. I think that you're saying that if you are not shitty, it's okay. But if you are <laughs> shitty, you actually Fuck you. Should. <laughs> yeah, it's that, just that simple. The other big surprise, I suppose, was that E3 was canceled. It was supposed to be coming up pretty soon. PAX East is still going on. I'm going to go. I'm going to see Caitlin Cook and uh, some other Destructoid folks. I think Eric is going to be there. Eric Van Allen. So hopefully I'll have some some good times covering video game news. Have you been on panels in the past? Yeah, yeah. I was going to be on a panel, but it was turned down. It was going to be on No More Heroes, Katamari Damashi, and uh, Yakuza. But they said no. And I was oh, fine. I didn't want to have to be on a panel really they're 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 fun but also stress and work and then i've never been on a panel where i thought wow a plus i did so good i always mm. think eh, i should have done more research yeah i've been smarter why been did more i drink fun. a large iced coffee something like that if that <laughs> was my like, big regret <laughs> the size of my iced coffee was all wrong i don't even know would you even drink an iced coffee no <laughs> never you're paying for ice Oh, Who that's pays the reason. For ice? Yeah, I have a bag of ice that I bought in my freezer. What? You just make it out of the cold and the water. You pick, you mix them together. You don't have to pay a cent. <laughs> it's great. You uh, buy some. Uh, this is the bicker podcast. <laughs> oh, it's fine. We're having a fine time. So E three is over. It may come back, but to me, it was kind of anticlimactic. It was a little bit like if a band you used to like twenty years ago. Mm-hmm. hasn't really had a hit album in six years and didn't have any tour, any album, anything for a little while. Like if you two made an announcement tomorrow that said they're breaking up. Exactly. <laughs> and, and no one's kept track of whether you like, was having yeah, Okay. Or if The Simpsons like stopped airing for like five years and then said, we're canceled. We'd be like, we, we figured. Nobody's been watching that show anyway. E3 has, as a concept, been on the way out ever since the internet happened. Like E3 predates the internet. It used to be the only way for video game companies to get new information out en masse to all these journalists and writers and all these people, the, the press. You know what it makes me think of? What's that? The excitement I feel when I go to a cat show. (laughs) <laughs> probably what these video game folks think when they go to these maybe not E3 anymore but when you go and you get to see all the new the new ones and then you hear the experts talking is that how I, I mean, oh not... they give you a toy and you can you can hold some and cat toys yeah you can buy things and you can wave them at the kitties I wasn't aware <laughs> of this you've been to cat shows like that Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And sometimes the owners are real weird about them, too. They're like, any which way. I bet the excitement that I feel is probably like the excitement some people feel about packs. Oh, sure. 
more so at E3. I went to E3 when it was still relatively relevant, when high-speed internet was not everywhere, when social media hadn't really happened yet. Twitter had only been around for like a year or something. Actually, my first E3, if I remember correctly, was more like 2008. Whoa. So that's pre-Twitter, pre-Facebook. God. I know, dinosaur days. And they still felt like, sure, there's going to be blogs writing about this stuff, but we are going to tell them all of the hot news, and then they're all going to run out and blog it at the same time and just... En masse blast Netscape everybody. is yeah. going to be coded in Copy our news. service. <laughs> yeah. All those guys. Uh, this is before even Google was the... I think Google was... It was like Yahoo back then, It was. Right? They were tied back then. Yahoo mm-hmm. and Google. It was like, uh, it's a toss-up. It was like Backstreet like Boys the, and NSYNC. Like, who's the, the better band? That, oh, yeah. The, that? Oh, the Yahoo commercial guy. Uh, yeah. They, they were all hot stuff back then. So... They still felt like they could control us. And then maybe after like five years of E3, I realized, wait a minute. They're just trying to make me think their commercials are important. They got me in a big room and dressed a bunch of... With a lanyard on? Yeah, there's pretty ladies walking around with a Nintendo 3DS. They're trying to make me like the Nintendo 3DS. Yeah, because it was, was like trick. right by their boobs. Yeah, they did put the 3DS right by You've their boobs. You've told me this before. I probably talked about it on this very show before. That was the moment I realized this isn't about hot new information. Mm-hmm. This is trying to get me really excited about a bunch of stuff that's not that important. And to talk about it to my loyal readers who see me as an authentic source of truth. They don't see me as a company man. They wow. don't see me as a as a businessman or a salesman. They see me as a salt-of-the-earth video game blogger that just loves the games like you guys do, kids. But they were trying to manipulate me. And then I'm like, I don't want to go to the E3 anymore. I'm not going. You can take your tchotchkes and shove them up your ass, is what you said. Directly to E3. Well, I started... Themself. I did definitely start gravitating more towards indie games. See, what I would have done yes. is just gone and taken all the stuff. I did that too. I okay, mean, I wasn't that manipulative. all the stuff. I don't like The Last of Us at all. I don't like it at all. But the, the shirt that Ellie wears in the first game mm-hmm. is a really cool shirt. So <laughs> one of the last things I ever did at an E3, if I remember correctly, is they were having The Last of Us demos. They were like, play the demo, get a free shirt, which is just a way of saying, like, play the demo. Wear our product advertising the and also every time you wear that shirt you're gonna think thank you e3 thank you last of us and just give that review just a a subconsciously just a little bit of a higher score i started to inoculize myself as best i could from that sort of manipulation so i said to the guy can i get get a shirt he's like you play the demo and i was like yeah (laughs) <laughs> were you high <laughs> i was lying no i didn't play i don't want to play that demo it looked boring as hell just yeah. like, like another game like that but he was like fun it was like the last hour so he just gave me the shirt I, I wear the shirt all the time nice and talk about how the last of us is not for me all the time too so their trick did didn't not work you didn't it did not You're turn me smart. into one of their no surprises games. there oh that i'm so smart no well no surprise. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was the surprise part. They didn't turn me into someone who is manipulated by them. 
what are there? I don't want to say zombies. I want to say sheeple. Yeah. Don't... I, I don't want to say they live. I kind of do, though. Did you know I made a cartoon once? Oh, boy. That compared E3 to they live? No. I did. And it's no longer viewable online. But I made it. Whoa. Oh, it was pretty fun. You offended people? No, I think I used Pokemon music. Oh. So it was, you know, copyright yeah. risk. So speaking of working with other people's IP and copyright risk, we're going to cut over to this interview with Lilith. Yeah, Lilith. Who made Bloodborne PSX? Unbelievable that she was willing to be on the show. So flattered. Take it away, Lilith. Here with Lilith, the creator of Bloodborne PSX. Is that right, Lilith? Yep, that's me. Wow, you're hi, crea- hi. You create, <laughs> you created it, and yes, you put it up on itch.io for free, and it really drove mm-hmm. the world wild. There was blogs and posts and social media. Yeah, your follower count seemed to to get higher all of a sudden. I, it was really interesting move. I want to know what gave you the idea to make Bloodborne PSX. Oh, yeah, no, totally. Um, it was a article that I saw in 2017, which was based off of a thread on NeoGAF, I'm pretty sure, hmm. that I didn't see until later. I just read the article that was reporting. And the thread was make mock-ups of modern games, but PS1, right? Hmm. And... The two that really stuck out to me, or three, I guess, was um, Uncharted 2 is a PS1 game, The Last of Us is a PS1 game, and it was God of War 1 as a PS1 game. There were just like screenshots and like, you know, like Photoshop and simple 3D renders, and that was it. And I saw those, and I was like, I want to do that, <laughs> right? Um, with my favorite game, which was Bloodborne, and it still is. Um, that was, you know, Bloodborne in 2017, Bloodborne was still new ish. You know, I think it was two years or one year old at that point, but it was still something that I was actively playing and still on the forefront of my mind. And I was <laughs> like, you know, well, that's, that's the game I'm currently obsessed with. So that's a good pick. But as I kept working on it and it eventually led to like a four hour game, <laughs> but yeah. And as the scope grew, it started really being apparent how, Bloodborne kind of already already is pretty PS1-esque in terms of its design. You know, it's like pretty simplified in terms of like the mechanics compared to something like Dark Souls and I don't know, I could I can go I can make comparisons forever, but mm. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think people understand what you mean if they've played PS1 games and or played Bloodborne. In fact, it's not really an and or. I think you'll have to have. I've played it both. <laughs> it has to be an and on, on that one. But it's absolutely true that Bloodborne got back to a lot of the basics that even some of the earlier games from From Software were were less basic than that. And yet Bloodborne is super duper hard. And I have to imagine that you must like difficult things in general if you decided because you liked some fake screenshots <laughs> of Uncharted and stuff. You're like, I will spend these years now making 
making your own game for free. Oh my goodness. I still can't believe that you gave it away to the people after working on it for so long. So, so how was it to make this game? How challenging was it to make Bloodborne PSX? Um, I gotta say pretty challenging. <laughs> it was, it was definitely difficult. There was a lot of things. This isn't my first game that I made, of course. Um, mm. But it was definitely the most complicated one. I've never made, like, for example, just straight up the most difficult thing. The most difficult single thing that I made in Bloodborne PSX was the weapon system. I never made anything like that before, where you, you, could, you could pick up weapons and they're saved in your inventory and you can equip them on different hands and they both have each hand weapon has different properties that can wild very wildly but there's also a universal set of rules that they all follow at the same time mm. and so you can upgrade them and transform them and that was i've never done anything close to that before so that was really difficult to get working correctly but you know i did eventually figure it out and that was you know it was a really good learning experience i gotta say um but yeah it was pretty hard but on the flip side a lot of it does kind of fall together naturally simply because that it is based off of a game that exists already if that makes sense yeah but it was still very difficult <laughs> rebuilding it all from scratch yeah and th there is a fair amount of i mean all the graphics are new you had to make yeah. those out, of, out of thin air and That's a lot true. of the systems like you said I'm not a Bloodborne expert. I played it shortly after it came out and I just lost. And then I didn't play anymore. <laughs> so I was like, hey, oh. I totally get that. yeah, I like hard games, but I like hard games where I feel hope and I felt no hope for Bloodborne. So I'm not an expert, <laughs> but, but I did play Bloodborne PSX had more hope because I knew <laughs> it just felt more my speed as a big PS1 game player. And the systems did feel new. The, the inventory system was was oh, your yeah. idea? Yeah, so I guess that goes into and not just rolling the graphics back, but rolling core design um, and more general like design sensibilities back as well, rolling back quality of life feature um, and stuff like that. Uh, so yeah, back in the day, 3D was new, right? And everyone was like, oh my gosh, look at all this stuff in 3D. We can finally do all this. So all the inventory objects are like 3D models spinning in your face and stuff. Um, so I really, I really enjoyed that. Uh, specifically, Tomb Raider is where I drew inspiration mm. uh, for the inventory, which was really fun. I had a lot of fun making that system. Yeah. So you made it seem as though it was joyful to make this really hard <laughs> to, to do. Like you, I don't, I don't know how long you've been making games for. I assume it's been at least a little while, but at the same time, you're not like 60, I don't think. Yeah, I mean, True. it's possible. 29. <laughs> 20, so, so you haven't been making games for more than 29 years. That wouldn't be possible. But you, you made this one. It took a long time to make, and it seemed like you liked making it. Is that, is that fair to say you enjoyed making oh, this game? Absolutely. Yeah, it's been a blast. Um, it was really fun. And all the reception, like, I could not have ever predicted that, you know, what I was expecting was something like 10 times less than what actually came out or what actually happened. I just, oh gosh, what was the first time it exploded? I was, I, when I started this project, I had 800 followers on Twitter. Oh, wow. <laughs> I, yeah. Um, 
it was it was crazy it just it just like mega exploded it was like it, like that was simultaneously like stressful and pressuring but it was also really encouraging mm. because um for people who don't know i i posted every day except for like sunday which is when i rested mm -hmm. uh, i made update posts every day on twitter and they always got a lot of traffic and it was just very nice seeing everyone be so eager um to see the process even if it was something that i would consider super boring right like oh i'm doing damage calculations today here's a bunch of math right but people people liked it and they looked at it and it just goes to show how much of game development is transparent and hidden um mm. in general and it was just been really nice just being fully transparent um yeah you, you, you let people see how much you love bloodborne from kind of the inside out you did yeah. sort of reverse surgery on it and you got to show bloodborne at least the bloodborne that you remade from the inside out and they shared the love with you i'm wondering is that what kept you going even when it was tough was it a combination of the love of making it and the love you were getting from people following you or is it was it more one or the other or what do you think it was um, I think it was definitely both. Um, I do just love programming video games. There is an inherent joy to that for me. Specifically, just like, yeah, trying to elicit emotions via game systems, right? I just think that is the most satisfying thing for me to create. And that is definitely self-sustaining. Like I said, I've released indie games before mm. um, without a huge, a huge amount of eyeballs on it. Mm -hmm. um and that was i was still able to create it but um it, it was really nice just seeing people taking part in that level of enjoyment i guess would be a way of phrasing it yeah that's a great way of phrasing it and you can't see my face but i've been making so many faces <laughs> as you're talking i made like a, oh that's so sweet face and also <laughs> like what did you just say face because you're Making games is so hard for normal people. Programming? It's so hard. Yeah, I I looked at a code once and I was like, ah, equals slash run, run load letter, you know, and nothing. It doesn't work for normals. Where you, you got a, you got a wonderful magical brain that, that allowed you to do Thank something. You that is going to stand the test of time as long as Bloodborne is going to be known, which I think is going to be a long, long time, hundreds of years. People are going to look back on the history of games and they're going to see that as one of the games that flipped things back to systems-based, skill-based, instead of the Uncharted-style escapism that was getting bigger and bigger in AAA where you just kind of hauled the... I don't know if you played Uncharted 2, but there's a scene towards the beginning where you just got to kind of hold up for a while. Oh yeah. Holding up. <laughs> totally. uh, yeah. It's the opposite of that. And you took that even further by doing the opposite of holding up with just your <laughs> life in general and decided to do something really <laughs> difficult and complicated for the joy of it. And people are going to know about it for as long as they know about Bloodborne, which as I said, I think it's going to be a long time. So you did it. I, I hope so. Hey, I, I appreciate it. <laughs> My pleasure. I appreciate you being on the show. Any hints or maybe mm, spoilers, maybe it would be too much, but something. Is there something you can give us about what you might be working on next? Well, 
Um, seeing as this episode is releasing in the future, um, this will be announced already, um, oh. but it'll be a reveal for you. Uh, Yay! <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so just quick drum roll. It's Bloodborne Cart. Um, that's going to be what I'm working on next. No, and you're not. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is. The teacher's going live tomorrow in the past when we're recording this. <laughs> Bloodborne cart yes what's gonna the, the, the meme is real <laughs> <laughs> um but for the listeners who want like what's next next this is just gonna be a small project right there's a couple of months but what's next next is definitely uh, i think i mentioned this before we started recording but mm-hmm. i think people are expecting me to make like another ps1 horror themed souls like style game i think that's everyone what everyone oh yeah people are thinking you're thinking well thousands of people have played my free bloodborne game i'm just gonna make <laughs> a version of that that's called sudsorn or yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> just change the name a little bit and make some money off of the thing i already made but but we might be yeah. thinking wrong about that huh mm-hmm. yeah i'm i i I jump around a lot in terms of like game styles and stuff like that, but I don't like any of this is subject to change. Of course, we're still course. a long ways out, but mm. definitely going to be like sci-fi cyberpunk. It's definitely going to be a third-person action game, but closer to something like Devil May Cry than Souls. Something a little bit faster paced, mm. right? And I think that would be that's that's kind of where I want to go. I'm like I love sci-fi. I love science fiction so much, and I have not made a science fiction game yet. All my games I've made are either contemporary or some form of fantasy or fantasy adjacent. I guess you'd call Bloodborne. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so it would be. It's just I'm just really excited to go into some, uh, a genre that, or at least a visual setting that I love so much. Finally, because wow. I was a big fan of the armored core games that from software made as a kid before they started making souls games. Um, so I would like to make something that would honor that a little bit. Wow. So faster paced, but maybe big robots. Yeah, maybe who knows? <laughs> I can't help but People should follow you on Twitter. You're at Lilith.zip. Oh, that's my, that's my screen name. My oh, actual, my mistake. That's um, no, okay. Twitter has like two names. It's weird. <laughs> Um, my actual at is botster with a zero. So oh, that's e- right. Zero T S T E R. Yeah, that's that's where I post. I post everything. Everything. That, and you, <laughs> you're posting a lot of selfies where you look like a new design for Bayonetta. Like if I get Bayonetta three and there's an alt costume that's just you. I'll be in Bayonetta three. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I I would I would rather play as you than Bayonetta <laughs> if I had the choice. So I uh, wish I was tall enough to fit that role. Well, I don't think <laughs> legs are built that long in, in, our, in our world, in, in real life. But yeah, I hope you make, I love giant robots, but I also wouldn't mind a you skin. Is that hmm. creepy? I don't mean to talk about your skin. I mean, I've already, I've already made one. So there's a you skin. Yeah. Not, not playable, but I made like. I as like a palate cleanser, I modeled myself as a PlayStation One Bloodborne esque character. Oh um, my goodness! <laughs> so maybe we'll see. I don't. Who knows? Yeah, <laughs> you, do, you don't seem. You got a healthy love of the selfie now and again, but you also are humble and modest. 
<laughs> interesting to see if if uh, who wins in that internal conflict and yeah, it's true. It get to be you. War. <laughs> it, it sure, it sure is a classic, a classic war, just like <laughs> your games. Well, geez, Lilith, anything you want to sign off with before before we close up the talk? No, I think that's everything. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being on. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Hey, so wonderful to talk to <laughs> Lilith. And you know, after we talked about this, after I talked to Lilith and recorded that bit, she immediately announced Bloodborne Cart, like an hour later. And then maybe an hour before we started recording this very recording we're doing right now, you and me, Tanya. Yes. She announced that she is going to be a playable character in Bloodborne Cart. Oh. And I just said, Lilith, why can't I play as you? You're such a cool character. I mean, she's a real person, but she also has... Such style that you can't help but feel like, wow, what if I could just be a Her. magical goth witch who makes video games and casts deadly spells? And now you can play as uh, PSX Graphics Lilith. That's so cool. I know. It's super cool. I can't wait to somehow play that game. And I wish it was made real. I wish Sony would just give Lilith $5 million or so to make it a real game that's published by, by the Sony Corp. But beggars can't be choosers. You know, I had a weird memory. Yeah. Because I just made a game. I alluded to it earlier. Mm. I didn't really... Did I do any part? Yeah, I did the game over screen. I mostly made the trailer for Grasshopper Manufacturer All-Stars Presents Killer Badminton. Mm-hmm. The title came from Tony Astro, wonderful person who I don't know at all, who made all the music for it. He made 10 minutes of music wow. for this fake game. <laughs> and making music, I don't know if you've ever made music, a minute of music usually takes someone three hours to make or something. So he put like a full work week into making the soundtrack for this game. Yeah. It's not a real game. It's using Travis Touchdown from No More Heroes, Garcia Hotspur from Shadows of the Damned. But I wanted to make, well, really what I wanted was for... Is it is it like, in my dreams, it's like Tangerine Dream. <laughs> what, are you, what, are you, what are you talking about? The soundtrack. <laughs> In your dreams, it's like Tangerine Dream? Yeah. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> you're so confident you're making sense. You're looking at me with a smile like, you know, yeah. Like, no. In your dreams is Tangerine Dream. Yeah. <laughs> we just have to move on. Because just keep going. Keep Sorry, I keep thinking okay. weird shit. No, it's it's fun. I enjoy it. So I wanted Suda51 to make this game, this joke game. But I knew he wasn't going to do it because he doesn't think the joke is that funny. I do. Yeah. So I'm like, you just got to make it yourself. But I told everybody he might have made it. And that was the joke. Oh, it was actually me and a The few April other... Fool, Fool's joke? It was April Fool's joke. Yep. And I... Do you think that Suda might change his mind based on the concept? He, it could go either way. He could be like, that was funny. Now I'm actually going to do it. Or it could be, you ruined the joke. You did it before I could do it. So now I'm not doing it. I'm not going to be like You could have ruined fool. things. Oh, yeah. I definitely could have ruined things. And I kept that in mind. And I had to wonder, 
should I be my authentic self and try to do this? Or should I be like, oh. And am I ruining everything? Yeah, or mm -hmm. should I like try to manipulate the world and try to have everything go the way I hope it goes and wait and see? Or can I try to make the world what I want it to be by making stuff? So I decided to make it. So is the game somewhere to play? Yeah, it's on itch.io. It's on the Soda Drinker Pro website, the, the creator of Soda Drinker Pro, a video game. Took his engine for a retired men's nude beach volleyball league and put in graphics made by Maddie, who is Oh That Raspberry, I believe is her Twitter handle. Yep. One of the most prolific and well-loved fan artists for all things Suda51. She made all the graphics. I actually made a tiny bit of the graphics. I almost forgot. Aww. I made a skeleton. I made some blood pour out of Travis Touchdown's neck after his head twists off. So I did a little bit. But she did the bulk of the graphics, and I did a lot of the work on the trailer. And our own uh, editor, Daniel, cut together the trailer, did a fantastic job. And even though the game itself, it was made very quickly. The creator of Soda Drinker Pro, very busy. So when he's implementing the graphics we gave him, he's got a newborn son. He's doing projects with Run DMC. He's oh, my very, goodness. He's very busy. But in his off hours, in between meetings and in between working on his own games and projects, he... Put it together so it's playable, functional, badminton game. That's awesome. It's fine. I'm glad I was able to make something that made people smile. Something fun. Yeah. Yeah. It made, it made people happy. It reminded me of the first time I ever made a game. I had totally forgotten this story. But this is a story that's going to explain who I am to a lot of people. People have been wondering, hmm. why is he like this? Hmm. This guy, he's been doing this for a while. Why? Why does he keep doing these things in this way? Doesn't he know? You know what? That he shouldn't. <laughs> that, that we, you know, we don't think he's that great. Mm. Here's the pivotal story. The story that helped me to become who I am today. I bought my own Commodore 64 when I was 10-ish years old. And I got this game called the Animation Construction Set. But it wasn't really a game. It was a program that allowed you to draw your own graphics mm. and make your own short cartoons out of very primitive computer graphics from the early 80s. And I worked so hard on it. I made a cat run and a mouse. I made like a Christmas tree. Ooh. So exciting. And I was going to, I had nobody to show it to. So I was going to show it to my mom, who we've talked about on the show. And she's even been, been on, on the show. show. Yeah. She's even been on the show. And I was so proud of myself for making it. I did this huge opening scroll. Kind of like Star Wars. Just like unfurling your masterpiece. Yeah. So the masterpiece started with the text scrolling up saying something along the lines of, Your eyes, mind, ears, and soul could never prepare yourself for the <laughs> incredible sights, sounds, and feelings you're about to experience. The greatest film ever made. By Jonathan Holmes, age nine or whatever. Just on and on yeah. and on and on. Yeah. Get ready because the show starts now. And then you just see the Christmas tree. And nothing I did. The cat running around. All, none of it worked. Oh, no. And my mom died laughing. Aww. She was like, oh my God, it's so funny. You, you did that on purpose, right? You did the whole build up and then nothing happened and that was the joke. I'm like, yeah. She's like, do it, do it for your brother. Do it for your brother. So then I did the whole thing for him. And then he laughed really hard because it was so anticlimactic. 
The whole thing is it was bad. I screwed up. It, it glitched but out. But it was a delight because... My it, failure was hilarious. Right. And if it had gone the way you wanted it, they would have been like, cool, bud. That would have, that's fine. You made a cat yeah, run around. Oh, yeah. It's around Christmas time. Yeah. But mm. the failure and my earnest belief that it was good <laughs> was hilarious. Like, this is the best. <laughs> Feast your eyes. Exactly. And a little eight-year-old or nine-year-old saying all that. So Did you go to bed and cry a little, though? No, I said, I guess that's what people like for me to do. So here I am still doing stuff, and people don't know whether they're laughing at me or with me probably half the time. All of Boston's favorite son is, like, he's sort of the butt of the joke, but he's also sort of the star of the show like right am i laughing at him or am i with him on this that tension that confusion about whether i am the joke and you're making fun of me or whether you're with me is sort of like ever since road rules even that was a big part of the road rules was like is this guy a loser and i'm laughing at him or am i rooting for him uh, sort of in my thing i'm with you <laughs> I don't know if that counts for anything. Sure, yeah. Well, you laugh at me sometimes, too. I do laugh at you. <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> That's absolutely right. I, I did say earlier that I tend to make fun of myself, but I have made fun of you, I think. You have. And I've openly put myself in a position to be made fun of because it's part of the fun for me. Yeah. And it seems to work. It seems to make people happy and it helps people to know who I am, which is really... That was a really nice getting to know you moment. Oh, I appreciate that. That's kind of you to say. We're going to get to know Claire now. Claire just started sending me pictures that Claire drew of me. She drew pictures of me and you and also said, do you want to have me on your show to talk about Pokemon cards? And I said, of course I do. And we did that. That's amazing. I can't wait to show you the amazing, unbelievable sights and sounds. (laughs) Your soul will never be the same after you've listened to Claire and I. Here with Claire, whole new guest on the show. So exciting. We like to get new guests. We like to get old guests. And this is a brand new guest. It's Claire. Claire, how are you? I'm doing great, Jonathan. Oh, that's great news, Claire. You found me on social media. You said, if you want someone to talk to you about card games, Pokemon card games, Magic the Gathering card games, such lucrative experiences for the avid and savvy collector. Not long ago, I bought some Pokemon cards for a man with a bushy beard, a hat on backwards. I think he had a t-shirt that just said tough on it. Like, tough. And he he so <laughs> badly wanted Pokemon cards. So I was in line to get the Metroid Dread Special Edition. And I said, I'll buy you some Pokemon cards. It was like $100 worth of cards. It's like three boxes. It was $100. And he paid me cash immediately. And they were sold out. I bought the last set for this. This very nice guy with a very tough sort of rap metal feel to him, I guess, but loves Pokemon cards. That's all I really know about them right now. Can you tell me what is going on with these cards right now? So the pandemic made everybody crazy. 
Oh. Uh, Pokemon cards are awesome, and they're oh. a lot of fun to play with, and huh. they're beautiful to collect. They have beautiful art on them, but people got stir-crazy and needed a hobby. So they're like, oh, let me buy up all these Pokemon cards and try to make some money off of it, because they have this beautiful art that everyone wants to collect. We live in this time, Claire, when people will go online and look for the art they want, and they will right-click that art. They will just... They will download it to the hard drive, <laughs> to the mainframe, and and they won't go necessarily out to buy it. Yet, what you're saying, of course, rings true. The Pokemon cards are very popular, and people are willing to buy them, not to necessarily resell them, just to have them. It feels good to have them. So we have reached this kind of new period of adoration for the physical object. Does that play in line with why the cards are doing so good right now? I think so. I think people want something tangible. They want something real. And my love of Pokemon and of other card games is the real life community. You make friends by playing cards. If you're sitting across from someone playing cards, you have to talk to them. And it's amazing to like get that instant connection over a hobby right then and there. Claire, you've really touched them on something that... I've tried to figure out for years, as you probably know, being around people is something I'm more or less comfortable with doing. I've had to do it a lot. I talk to people a lot. Just kind of, I mean, we're talking right now and who I should be nervous, I think, but I'm just like, this is going to be great. It's Claire, who I've tweeted with twice. They love Pokemon cards. I'm not worried about this. It's going to be awesome. And so far, so good. I was right. That said, a lot of people feel a little anxious around each other. And do you think playing cards like this helps deal with that experience? I think so. I can speak to that from personal experience. I have pretty severe social anxiety. And when I moved back to my hometown, Magic the Gathering and Pokemon cards was how I made friends again mm -hmm. and how I was able to connect to the real and to the tangible because I was too afraid to do it anywhere else. So interesting. So as opposed to playing a video game online, which also gets rid of some of the parts that make people anxious around dealing with each other. And what, what I think is really scary about other people is how darn unpredictable they are and how you are going to, if you're a thinker, you're going to be thinking, am I saying the thing they like? Do they like this? Do they like this now? Did they like me before, but they don't like me now because I made the new social mistake? What are they thinking? Is this good? Do they like me? Do I like them? What's going on? It's a lot, Claire. It's a lot to have all yeah. that bouncing around. Whereas if you're like, <laughs> we're looking at the cards. I got a Pika Blue. They got a Oshawott. What, let's see. They're both water types. Let's just see what happens when they fight or make friends or both. I don't even know how you play Pokemon. I think it's all competitive, right? There's no friendship mode. It's all cards. competitive. There's no friendship mode. You're <sighs> trying to knock out your opponent's Pokemon as quickly as possible. No killing. There's no real violence. Just pretend mm. violence. Yeah, just swooning. They swoon. <laughs> is that what they call it? The swoon? When they <laughs> fall down? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, uh, but faint. I, faint. Thank you. Swooning is, I think, like Final Fantasy of old. But I get anxious when I have to beat somebody at something. Because one, I'm probably going to lose. Two, if I win, what if they're sad? I'm like the least competitive pal you've ever met but i assume maybe you felt that way the first time you played pokemon i don't know if you remember the very first time if there was any 
anxiety around the win-lose proposition at that point. I love to win. I found that's my favorite part of card games. I just want to beat people as quickly as possible or make their... I don't want to make them miserable, but I want to make their play experience a little miserable. Wow. So you get to get a little tough with them. You get to get in there and be like, you know what? This is some Claire time. This is this is about me looking out for myself for a change. I'm going to win. Yeah. I'm not always assertive in my normal life, but in the context of card games, we're all here to have a good time. We're here to like bash each other's brains in. So let's bash each other's brains in. <laughs> and how do you feel when you lose? How sad is that? Uh, it depends. Uh, sometimes it's a little sad if, uh, but if I played a good game, you know, there's another part of card games that I love is sportsmanship. Like you're there in a physical space. You got to be respectful to your opponent. Like if you lose, you lose with grace, like always. And that's kind of a way to win when you lose and turn it into uh, opportunity to be a good person in your loss instead of flipping them off or, you know what Wario does? He farts. He'll just fart. <laughs> then he, he farts when he wins too. That's a bad example. But you, you get what I'm saying. You could slap someone in the face, but that's yeah, not I what could, you do. <laughs> I could break my tennis racket in half like Waluigi, but. You don't do that. Huh. Don't. I just think that's the difference between like the online and the like the physical space is like in online games. You can call someone all sorts of names and there's no repercussions. If you're in real life, you can't do that. Huh. So the fact that it's real life raises the expectation in terms of your behavior. And it also therefore raises the level of gratification when you handle yourself well and actually make a real life human friend. Yeah. I think you, you for years, Claire, Claire, it's been years that I've said to people, why don't you just play the Pokemon video games? They've got little animations. You can go in the grass. There's, there's a little map. Why are you buying all this? You had spent $2,000 on the cards. I bought Pokemon Black for $55 and I, I enjoyed it for 80 hours. Why are you buying the cards? Claire, you finally made it made sense. It's not the cards are there and they're beautiful. As you said, you get to keep them. You get to look at them. You get to flip through them. You get to make a plan as to what you're going to do with them later. I assume that you look at the cards sometimes. I'm like, I'm going to use this Aridos to really pack a wallop on that Rayquaza. So how you pronounce it? I, I, I don't even, I never say these words out loud. I just read them on a screen. But yeah, you, you can look at your cards and play in your mind a little bit, I imagine, and decide what you're going to do with them later. But it's also about the real human interaction and being a real human being with them. Yeah. Oh, that makes so much sense. So I, maybe I'm going out on a limb here. and This will probably be the last thing I ask about it, unless there's more you want to talk about. Is it actually nerdier to like video games than Pokemon card games? I think they're both equally nerdy. Oh, I oof. I mean, like Dungeons and Dragons is very nerdy, and that requires you to have four friends at the table already. I don't even know if it's nerdy anymore. There's like attractive, funny, very popular people who play Dungeons and Dragons live in front of audiences of thousands. Is that can it even be nerdy at that point if you're doing it as a spectator sport 
And, I mean, and then you can't say that about video games either. You've got oh my, you're Ninja right. performing to millions of people every Son day. A, oh, you got me, Claire. I totally forgot <laughs> about the sexy gamers playing Fortnite on Twitch. And di- are they playing on Discord now, or is it just Twitch? There, I don't even know. I don't even know either. But they're you're right. None of it's nerdy anymore, and therefore it's all equally nerdy, depending on how you choose to go about it. But I'm gonna. I'm just going to make a final judgment call because nobody likes a tie. Apparently I, I love ties. Frankly, I wish everyone just always was equally winning and losing forever, but I know the listeners probably want there to be a definitive answer. I'm going to say video games are a little nerdier because you have to be around people when you play those card games, unless you can play by yourself somehow. Can you play by yourself? You can play. There's video games of the card games. What? Ah. Yeah. No. So there's simulators that you can play all by yourself in your room. I don't even know. You just blew it. You just inceptioned me. You you poked me. <laughs> you poked me in the inception. A pokeception. I can't even go on. But Claire, you've given me a lot to think about. Is there anything else you wanted to tell us about the Pokemon card games before we sign off? Uh, real life tournaments are coming back from the pandemic, so check your local listings and get out there and play. <sighs> who could who could say no to that? I'll be there. I'll see you there, Claire. (laughs) See you, Jonathan. So Claire is actually now a part of the show because that's how things work. Yeah. In this world of ours. Claire has made some drawings that may be on the YouTube channel that actually lost a subscriber to talking to women about video games youtube channel run by daniel when daniel flipped it around as part of my april fool's prank turned the channel into a fake grasshopper manufacturer channel that that game the killer badminton one yeah we also pretended it was made by a new subset of the grasshopper manufacturer company that makes no more heroes we said it was little grasshopper the the kids game division and somebody was like, fuck this. <laughs> yeah, Why am I subscribed to this shit? <laughs> yeah. But dumb... we actually, and even worse, we've gained a bunch of subscribers. Who, who think it's real? Who, I think they think it's real. Yeah. Oh. So they're going to maybe be disappointed when tomorrow it's going to flip back to. But we're going to keep the video up there. We're going to reveal that it was all. You and your scheming, you and Daniel. I know, we're schemers. He, he, you guys got together on this one? He helped execute the mission? April Fools, I think, allows you to do this kind of thing, and it's not cruel, and it is a game you can actually play. Like, I would have felt bad if I said, announcing a game that you will never play. Ha ha ha. Joke's oh, on you, but, sucker. <laughs> <laughs> but you could actually play it. Yeah. Well, one of my coworkers announced that they're leaving the job today, and I was like, you... On April Fools? I was like, you, why would you do that? What That's a, a, a funny joke, and they were like, it's real. I was yeah. like, you? <laughs> and they were like, no, 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 no. <laughs> it's actually real. I was like, okay. Which is the meanest kind, I think. <laughs> when you're like, I'm going to give you a little hope that it's a joke, but I'm actually serious. You're, yeah. You're, you're, you're like, no, really. And then, you know what's even worse? What? Is then when Monday come round and they say, I really was fucking with you the whole time. Do you think they'll let it simmer and no, marinate? No, no, no. But some people do. Some people do that. Yeah, you're right. You're right. 
We're going to do that right now, actually. We have a product review that is so I'm incredible. So but we're not going to tell you what it is. I needed the maintenance fellows to help me out with it today. <laughs> I can't believe they sent this to us, actually. It's... it's Somebody... I had to have a two-person carry for this product review. The guys. The guys. You said that there's these guys. Yeah, they drive around in a golf cart. <laughs> They're just... All seasons. <laughs> you just call them... The guys. The guys. They're here. They're there. They're everywhere. <laughs> they bring things to you sometimes. Sometimes. Sometimes they help me light my fireplace. <laughs> you don't know who these guys are. I don't know their names, but they sure are helpful. <laughs> You're just in your home lighting fires. So get ready for that on the next episode. Oh, I'm the... so excited. <laughs> me too. In the meantime, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at nontrotsky. I'm writing for Nintendo Force Magazine. I just finished an article about, geez, Street Fighter? Finished an article about, what, Pac-Man? I was writing up that the Pac-Man's on there. I was uh, talking about this game, Wasteland Golf. I just interviewed the creator of that. He actually hasn't sent the answers back yet, but I'm confident in him. His name's Igor. He's not going to let me down. He just emailed me yesterday. He said, I'm getting you the answers. Trust me. I won't let you down. He's got a new game coming out called The Cub. It looks great. Huh. Yeah, it's about... Uh, a bear? No, you would think so. It's about what happens when human beings destroy the world, becomes inhospitable, the billionaire ultra 1% move to Mars, but then they want to come back to Earth every once in a while and play golf. They find some of the humans built immunity to all the toxic garbage, the nuclear, the global warming trash. That sounds like a, like it would be a great movie. Yeah, I think that Igor would love to make it into a movie if he could, but he's only got enough money to make it into like a really cool video game. That'll also be great. A lot of voice acting, a lot of great music. Fun. Beautiful scenes, yeah. I like dark shit like that. Yeah, The Cub. It's going to be great. And I'm looking forward to getting those interview answers back from Igor about The Cub and Wasteland Golf, which is the prequel to The Cub. Cool. Where you just play golf cool. as a jerk millionaire, billionaire from Mars, hanging out on Earth. And what else? Uh, Lock On Magazine. I've got a lot of cool interviews lined up from them. They're going to have a Kickstarter in a month or two, so keep an eye out for that. You can play the badminton game. Uh, sort of Drinker Pros, itch.io. <laughs> E-I-E-I-O. <laughs> Their page has uh, Killer Badminton on it. If you Google it, I'm sure you Google Killer Badminton. Maybe there's been a bunch of articles about it by now, but most likely it's just the Destructoid one, the YouTube trailer, and the itch.io page. So you can find it there, and I think that's it for me. Anything, anything you want to talk about, Tanya? Sure. Um, every Saturday at 3 p.m., I teach intro to pole. Get on the wait list, because there is one. Pole dancing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you just call it pole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's how you call them in the biz. Right. But. It's like a total hype environment. If you want to feel good, do something that challenges and hurts you a little bit, and hang out with me, I'll be there. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> don't tell them where, though. Nope. That's the fun. Yeah. See if you can figure it out. Don't don't try too hard. <laughs> I don't don't actually, be scared. <laughs> don't find her, but think about it. Think about how she's doing it. Yeah. Have, and that'll be... Maybe try it yourself. It's great exercise. That's right. Have some great exercise, everyone. Take care. Bye. I love giant robots, but I also wouldn't mind a you skin. Is that creepy? Is that creepy? You skin.
Thank you.